All Things Conceivable, a surrogacy podcast with Nazca Fontes. Good morning, listeners. Today is a special treat because not only do we have an IVF nurse to speak to, but she is also a former egg donor and currently a gestational surrogate. Teal Kelly from Denver, and she is a nurse at Shady Grove, Colorado. You can follow along with her story on her TikTok page at, at Teal Kelly. And Teal, welcome. I'm so excited to have you here today. How are you? Hi, thank you. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing so well. And when I say special treat, I really mean it. We have a lot of interesting guests that come with a story and a tale to tell and experience to share. But you in particular are special because not only do you have a story to tell about infertility um, and your support of those in the world of infertility and your overture to be a gestational carrier to help them and you're an IVF nurse. So first, just tell us about your story. I'd love for you to tell our listeners and our audience who you are and how you arrived here today for this conversation. Yeah, definitely. So my name is Teal. Um, I have a nine-year-old daughter. Her name's Ella. I had her when I was 17, so I was very young when I had her. I was a teen mom. Um, And then I always knew I wanted to be a nurse, so I went to nursing school and I was quite the struggle, um, but I prevailed, and uh, I graduated when she was like just starting kindergarten, so the timing worked out fantastic. And I started working at a children's hospital while I was in nursing school, and I just remember one of my patients, um, I was working like in the NICU, one of my patient's parents was talking to me, and they're like, oh yeah, we used an egg donor, Um, we're so grateful for everything she did for us, like she brought us this beautiful little baby, and it really just sparked my interest right then and there. I was like, oh, maybe I should be an egg donor. Um, So I started looking into egg donation. I looked at lots of different clinics and agencies and I just read through everything and I was in the middle of nursing school so it was interesting to read about the egg donation side of everything and kind of know what they were talking about. Um, So I had applied to be an egg donor and I matched fairly quickly for my first one and it was a local donation. Um, And I was working with a clinic for that donation um, locally and I made a really, really, really good connection with the nurse that I was, that was in charge of my match. Um, and then I had graduated school a few months later. Um, during that donation, though, I got ovarian hyperstimulation. So I was a, very in contact with the nurse and the whole team that was taking care of me during that donation. Um, and then I graduated nursing school and I was working as a peds nurse. And then I saw a position for an IVF nurse at the clinic I had donated at open up. And I was like, oh my gosh, I need to apply. So I applied and maybe like two hours after I applied, the nurse that was in charge of my whole egg donation reached out and she was like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to see that you applied. We would absolutely like love for you to come interview. Um, And then this was at the beginning of COVID, so I was like, get me out of the hospital. So I went, I interviewed, I applied, um, it really, it went fantastic. And then I started like two weeks later, (laughs) Um, and I've been there ever since. It's been about three years now. Um, I love IVF nursing. I love the impact I'm making on patients. I love making families, building families, and... Um, right. Then. I mean, you, you have a front row seat to it, right? Yeah. Not only from, um, you know, the perspective of, 
of the joy of parenthood, having had your daughter, um, surmounting, you know, some of the challenges of being a mother at such a young age, but also, Mm -hmm. you know, getting yourself into a career that helps people and allows you to continue, um, you know, helping those who want to build a family. So tell me a little bit what it is like to have that front row seat at the clinic. It's definitely given me a very different perspective, but um, I think being on the patient side of it as an egg donor and as a surrogate, it's definitely helped me be a better nurse. I think the day-to-day life of an IVF nurse is very, very busy, um, and it can get kind of redundant because we're doing like the same thing over and over again, but then being on the patient side of it, it really just makes me so more patient for my patients um, because I know like exactly what they're going through. I don't have infertility, but I definitely um, am going through the procedures and whatnot. So it gives me a lot more patience Um, and it just really makes me appreciate what they're going through. And I'm really grateful that I get to like be along and be a part of their journey during that process. So how about, you know, your experience now kind of, I'll, I'll call it, quote, on the inside, right? You know, when, once you are within the clinic setting or within um, anything that has to do with family building as a professional, you really get to see it from the inside out. So how does that perspective or how did that perspective influence your decision to become a surrogate? I had one very, very special patient who's very near and dear to my heart. Um, They ended up having to use a surrogate um, after a bunch of failed transfers and IVF cycles. And I just remember one day I was sitting with her and I was like holding her hand and she was just crying and crying after like their third loss. And she was like, this is just such a hard decision, but we are like moving to surrogacy. Um, she was like, this is, I safely can't carry a baby and I need to move on and let someone else carry it for me and help me build my family. Um, and then it was, I went home that day and I was like, wow, I could be a surrogate. So, um, it just that close connection and the words that she said to me, it stuck with me. And I was like, I could do this. I could help someone else build a family and help their dreams come true. I have the ability to do so. And I would love to do so. And do you think that being an IVF nurse gives you a a unique perspective in the sense that some of the, you know, maybe the questions or things that might seem daunting or concerning to others are, are not that way for you? Like, do you, is it easy to reconcile some of those challenges already being on the inside? Definitely. I feel like I have the answer to a lot of my questions that I um, frequently get asked by patients, like progesterone and oil injections, like the best way to do those. I have all the tips and tricks, so I'm really grateful that I have those. Um, But then I also think sometimes, like, I still get just as scared um, like the other day I was bleeding and I'm, I know it's completely normal and I know it can definitely happen. Um, but I was freaking out. So I do think it helps sometimes, but other times I think I'm still human and things scare me a little bit. Sure. Yeah. So being involved, you know, again, in, within these clinics, you, you, you know, the ins and outs, but nevertheless, when it's actually mm-hmm. you going through the process, it can be unnerving. Um, Mm -hmm. but then again, you also see day to day. So not only, you know, your motivation to do this because of your connection to a really special patient and then that reflection that, Hey, I could, I could potentially do something like this. What other unique perspectives do you have on other intended parents who are going through the challenges of infertility, who may need to work with a surrogate? What, what can you share with our listeners about, you know, what you see, 
uh, within that patient population. I think a lot of them are just scared and they're nervous. And I think the biggest thing I see is they want to be able to bring their own child into the world by themselves. And I think sometimes people, they like just get to a point where enough is enough and they're like, I can't do this. Um, And then that's when they start looking into other options such as surrogacy. But I think just knowing that babies come into the world all different kinds of ways and families are built all different kinds of ways. Um, And just because your route may like look a little bit different than the traditional way doesn't mean it's the wrong route. And so let's let's pull on that thread a little bit about the actual, you know, the intended parents. They've gone through a lot of fertility challenges. They arrive at the juncture of considering uh, working and joining in a partnership with a surrogate. Um, there's a lot of misconceptions, right, that mm-hmm. exist out there in the world about surrogacy, but you and other intended parents know more than the average person, particularly about genetic ties to the embryo, the IVF process. So take our listeners through, um, you know, the IVF process, how the embryos are created, and the connection between the embryo and the surrogate and the embryo and the intended parent. Yeah, definitely. So most intended parents already have embryos made before they go down the path of surrogacy or they make them in the process of knowing that they're going to do a surrogacy or have a gestational carrier. Um, But they will go the intended parents will go through like an egg retrieval. They'll get the eggs, they'll fertilize them with sperm or, or they'll use like donor egg um, and then just fertilize those with sperm and they'll make embryos. Um, they can genetically test them doing like a PGT testing and that will just tell us if it's chromosomally normal um, and it can tell us the gender of the embryo as well. We want it to be chromosomally normal because we know that those embryos implant better and have a higher chance of live birth. So most people do opt to do PGT, especially when using um, a gestational carrier. Um, so if you're doing the egg retrieval and you're using the intended parent's sperm and egg, it's fully related biologically to the intended parents. There's no relation to the surrogate. That's something I have found interesting is a lot of people comment like on my TikToks and they're like, well, you're giving up your child. And I don't think a lot of people realize like these embryos are already made and they're created and they have no genetic relation to me. The genetics are already decided once the embryo is made. Um, But then, yeah, so the embryos are frozen. And then once they get a surrogate ready um, and prepped, they'll do an embryo transfer. It's a whole process (laughs) for the embryo transfer. Um, But then after they're transferred, they there's no genetic relation to the surrogate. I mean, I mean, epigenetics maybe from like the outside of her, the surrogate carrying the baby and it's just like outside genetics basically. But like, even if the bloodstreams are sharing, you're not sharing genetics at all. So Mm -hmm. it's really related, Mm -hmm. related to the parent. Yeah. For, for, for all of us who work in this field, you know, it just seems so obvious, right? That the, the embryo is not connected and related genetically to the surrogate, but it's amazing how pervasive that myth is out there in the outside world unrelated to IVF and family building. People truly believe that the surrogate is related to the child that she's carrying 
And it's, of course, simply not true. So it is interesting how pervasive that myth is. But yeah. I'll tell you, Teal, I've done, a, you know, I've spent a lot of really fun time and, you know, um, many, many um, hours on your TikTok going through the rabbit hole. And I have to say, I think that your perspective on the matter is so fresh. It's so relevant. It's very youthful. You have such great knowledge to share about IVF and you do a superb job at just laying it out in a way that the average person can understand. So I just wanted to point that out. So for our listeners who would like to maybe learn a little bit more about uh, what it is like to be either an IVF nurse or to look at surrogacy through the perspective of IVF or understand more about the science, your TikTok page does a great job and they should go uh, travel over there and, and uh, have a watch. So really well done, Teal. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I love to, you know, when you bring your daughter into it, I've seen the questions from your followers about, you know, you sharing this journey with your daughter. Maybe we can just speak a little bit about that because you said that she's nine. She mm -hmm. does understand what you're doing and the experience that you're going through as a small family together mm -hmm. in relation to helping another family. So tell our listeners a little bit about how you shared the idea of surrogacy with your daughter. Yeah, I thought it was really important to bring it up with her before I even made a decision just to make sure I didn't want to put her in an uncomfortable situation. If she was a little younger, I maybe would have done it a little differently, but I really think she comprehends things very well and has a very good idea of what's going on. So I just one day I was like, hey, what would you think about me carrying a baby um, for someone else? And just helping them build their family. I was like, I would just babysit the baby in my tummy for <laughs> nine months. And then it would go home with the other family. But it wouldn't be related to us at all. I just need to help them carry it. Um, and she had some really good questions. She was like, well, why can't they do it? Um, and she was like, what if people ask me questions about the baby? And she understood it really well. I was like, you know, they can't do it because there's a lot of different reasons. Some of them um, have had like cancer and don't have like a uterus or some of them. It's like a same sex relationship and no one has a uterus. And I was, um, she understood that very well. She's like, okay, so they just can't do it. So they need someone else to help them. Um, so I think she had a really good understanding of it. And I think her biggest concern even now, she's like, well, what if my friends ask me? And I, she's like, you're going to come to my school one day and people are going to see you pregnant and then you're going to come back and there's not going to be a baby with you and everyone's going to ask me. And I was like, you know, we just got to tell them that I was helping someone else build a family and I am not continuing to build my family right now. It's not your sibling. It's for someone else. And she's like, yeah, that makes sense. I can do that. I love that story. A very bright young girl. So yes. <laughs> uh, well done. I, I, I think she's so funny on your TikToks too. <laughs> Thank you. So um, tell us about your matching. Share what it was like to, you know, choose and work with a set of intended parents for your surrogacy journey and that, that matching process. Yeah, the matching process, I didn't quite know what to expect. Um, I think it was a little different from what I knew from like egg donation matching because that you're just on a registry and then someone picks you and a lot of times you don't know anything about the person you're matching with to donate your eggs. So this was a very different process, but I quite enjoyed it. Um, I liked knowing that the people that were going to be picked for me were picked for a reason because we had things in common because we were going to get along well um, and I liked feeling like it was a mutual relationship like they wanted to match with me and I wanted to match with them. I was very 
um, open with the kind of couples that I would match for um, and open to caring for really anyone. But I don't think like a better couple could have been picked for me. Um, during our very first match meeting, we all just got along very, very well. Um, and I think we had like the same goals and perspective on what we wanted from the surrogacy relationship and just what we thought about the surrogacy in general. Um, so I had a very pleasant experience matching. I matched with the very first couple that was presented to me and we still get along fantastic. So I'm very lucky on that. So matching has been, you know, the center of our program. It is our hallmark here at Conceivabilities. And for our listeners who may not have put it together yet, you are a surrogate working with Conceivabilities. And so um, I would just love for you to share, Teal, again, being on the inside, working with lots of different agencies, gestational carriers, patients. What was it that, um, you know, motivated you to work specifically with Conceivabilities? Yeah, so I had done all my egg donations through Conceivabilities, and I had a really great experience doing those. But I did interview with a different, a couple different clinics when I or agencies when I was looking into surrogacy, um, and I just felt like <laughs> I liked the Conceivabilities did like an all-in-one package for the surrogate that everything was like included. Um, I felt like with different agencies things were just a little different. Like your pay was a little different. Like the way they split things up was interesting. Um, so I liked the way that conceivabilities just had everything all in one. And I liked that they offer support for their surrogates with the support groups. Um, I think that's really important. And then I liked um, how they have like the fourth trimester care. So after you deliver, someone's going to follow up with you and you're still going to have like a close relationship with someone just making sure you're okay and recovering well. I think working in IVF and working in a clinic... I have seen lots of different agencies and I feel like sometimes the communication can be lacking or surrogates really aren't understanding what's going on or where they're at in the process. Um, and I think that's something Conceivabilities is really good at. I love my match managers. Um, I feel like they guide me through everything extremely well and any questions I have, they know the answer to. So they're really nice to have. So we, uh, you may or may not be aware, I don't know, but we recently surveyed uh, 600 experienced surrogates really to understand what they valued most in the process. You know, after decades of work in this field, we know this sort of to our very core, right? We know it anecdotally, but we're like, let's really do some market research so we have solid data to present to the world that yes what we say is true and these are the findings and so through this survey what we realized was their number one priority was the right match and you've already expressed um, you know how great your match has been and what was important to you and finding that that common ground and an alignment and what was important on both sides um, the next important thing was compensation. And while we know that that's not a primary motivator for surrogates, it does play a role. So mm -hmm. can you tell us what role compensation um, has, has made in the decision for you? Yes, I, wanted, I want to be fairly compensated for my time and the effort and what I'm putting into this. And when I was looking at different agencies, there was a very wide range of compensations and um, conceivabilities they 
it's the all-in-one compensation package. But when I was looking at other agencies, they were like, this is your base compensation. You would get X amount for this if you had to do this, X amount for maternity clothes. And the math just (laughs) sometimes, it was a little difficult to like manage and like look through and um, a little confusing to be honest. And like if you didn't need maternity clothes, then you just wouldn't get that amount of money. So I like that conceivabilities has like the compensation and they're very upfront with it and you can use it for what you want to use it for um and I do think it's a very fair number based on what what surrogates are doing and what's out there a lot of surrogates will share with us you know what they do with that compensation and again one of the you know pervasive myths out there is that surrogates are financially motivated that they you know need quote-unquote need the money and of course we know that again, couldn't be further from the truth. And what we found through our research is, you know, through the polling, trying to determine, gosh, how do you put that compensation to use? What is it that you use the compensation for? And it ranges, right? A lot of people say, oh, this allowed us to move into a larger home for our own growing family, or Mm -hmm. this allowed us to, um, you know, put our kids in some activities or travel sports that are um, very expensive for a family so we can kind of, uh, you know, support their endeavors to a greater degree, or we could pay down our own student loan debt, or we could put aside a nest egg for our own kids. So do you have this compensation earmarked for something special in your own life? Well, I talked about one of my TikToks, one of my daughter's (laughs) stipulations on being okay with all of this and just being open-minded. She was like, I want to go to Disney World after, so we will go to (laughs) Disney World. (laughs) Um, But other than that, I will probably use it for student loans and put some of it in savings. And um, my daughter does do competitive cheer and we do travel quite a bit for that. And that is quite expensive. So it'll probably help with that. But I, my thought is most of it will go into savings for a little while. Indeed. Um, so going back to the survey, you know, some other important factors that surfaced during this research for surrogates were that the legal insurance support and guidance through that process be there, as well as a really good educational understanding of IVF, right? Again, from the mm-hmm. outside world, people really don't understand how IVF works. So, you know, when we look at matching, compensation, legal insurance support, what's been most important for you in terms of getting the support that you need? I really like that I've the legal support, I think. I would have no idea what to do or how to find a reproductive lawyer and what questions to ask them and what needed to be in my contract. Um, so I'm really grateful I've had the help with that. I think that's been very important and probably my favorite thing. <laughs> and again, going back to your TikTok, you do such a good job of laying these certain facets out for the public to understand. Um, and you know, one of your posts in particular about surrogacy requirements was viewed by almost a million people. I mean, wow, that is incredible. And you were recently featured in an article in, uh, in the No article about restrictions that you have in your surrogacy journey. Can you share some of those? Yeah. Um, I don't have many restrictions. I feel like I have the same restrictions as like most pregnant people. Like I shouldn't eat deli meat. I shouldn't eat sushi, anything like that. Um, And then I can't travel to three states that are not surrogacy friendly. That's in my contract. 
Um, but other than that, I feel like I really don't have that many restrictions. I just need to treat my body the best I can possibly treat it while I'm pregnant and be safe. And um, I'm not allowed to have like any new sexual partners. Um, but other than that, I feel like I don't have many restrictions. And Teal, you also were very candid with your intended parents upon matching that you were going to share your journey on TikTok and they've been perfectly supportive of that. Is that right? Yeah, I made sure like even in our initial match meeting, I said I really love just educating the public and on IVF. And I was like, I have this idea that I want to post on TikTok and just share my whole entire journey because I don't think a lot of people know the ins and outs of surrogacy and I want them to be able to see it and they just thought that was so awesome and so we made sure to put it in our legal contract that was okay so that's been really nice how is your relationship with your intended parents I would love to know you know you said it was a great match and how's it been going between both parties we get along very well um I think we text probably every single day um and then we do like check-ins like once a week whether it just be like through text still um or we do a phone call um when I like went out there for my workup and for my transfer we all like hung out the whole time I was there and we get along great we have great conversation it's never awkward when we're just sitting there like we just jive well we get along really great and like my daughter won a scholarship to a summer camp at the end of the month and it just so happens to be in the state my intended parents live in so I'm planning on spending some time out there with them while she's at camp and then um she actually met them when they were out here for my first ultrasounds last week and it was very sweet I think it brought everything like full circle for her but we all get along fantastic I love that I love that. You know, somebody was asking me recently about the relationships that get created between surrogates and intended parents. And I said, you know what, really can run the spectrum. Um, Some are a little bit more, you know, I think reserved or perhaps aloof. Um, It doesn't mean that it's not a strong relationship. It's just perhaps not warm and fuzzy. And then it can go all the way to, you know, a very strong, close relationship by the end of the journey. So it really comes in all shapes and sizes when it comes to the relationships between surrogates and intended parents. And I'm sure you see that in the clinic as well. Yes, definitely. So a lot of your channel, your TikTok page, is about surrogacy education, not just your own life. Um, and you know some of the fun things that you do independently or in your day-to-day life or with your daughter, but it really is to help promote the idea of surrogacy out there. What do you want people to know most? If you had to just pinpoint one facet of the process that you wanted to highlight that was so meaningful, uh, what would you share with people? Just the feeling that it brings me. It makes me so happy to know that I'm helping someone in such a big way and making such a big impact on their lives and helping create a family for them. I don't think I've ever felt so grateful to be a part of like an experience like this. And I just want people to know that it's not all rainbows and kittens, but it is such an amazing experience. And I love what I'm able to do for someone else. And I know you're still relatively early in your pregnancy. You're still in the first trimester. Um, But so far, can you point to something that's been absolutely just, I think you just did, but maybe something else that is incredibly rewarding so far. 
I think on my very first ultrasound, seeing the intended parents just um, break down crying, like tears of joy and happiness, <laughs> um, that's really stuck with me, just knowing that I was able to bring that joy to someone and seeing how happy it made them and it's making their dreams come true and it was the first time they got to see a little baby's heartbeat on an ultrasound and that was just such a good feeling and it's stuck with me. That's so beautiful. Um, <laughs> truly, you don't really understand all of the little, the little things that happen in a journey that are just momentous, right? Yes. Um, it's not just getting to the end and, and um, you know, sharing in the birth of a baby, but there's so many milestones along the way that are just so gratifying. So what would you tell other women who are maybe listening to this or watching you on your TikTok page and they're thinking about becoming a surrogate? What would you say to them um, that would convince them or help them in, in the decision that is right for them? I think a lot of comments I get about people who are saying they want to do a surrogacy, they're just worried that they would get connected to the baby. And I think I would tell them it feels very different. Like, I feel very different in comparison to how I felt with my daughter. Like, I feel love for this child and I want it to go on and do fantastic things but I also know it's not mine like going into it knowing it's not yours it feels very different um so I think that's a lot of people's concern before going on to it and I would just tell them it's different it feels different everyone's everyone is different but the relationship that you build with the intended parents and the joy that you're bringing them it just it really comes full circle and it makes me feel really good. And I wouldn't want them to be concerned that they would get attached because it, it feels more <laughs> like babysitting. Like when you're babysitting, babysitting a kid, you love them and you care for them and you do what you can during that time that you have them, but then you send them off with their parents. Um, so I would just want them to know that they would, it's not the same. It feels different. I think that that perspective, I mean, it's so true. And once you're actually in it, then you understand, you know, what, what the point that you just made. And sometimes it's hard to understand that until you're in it. But I will note, and this is probably no surprise to you, that a lot of surrogates are nurses. Maybe they're not IVF nurses, but they come from a nursing background. And I think it's because it's very easy for them to kind of parse out the science um, the psychology even, um, you know, what it's like to be an intended parent or a patient or have infertility, you know, right? They, they, because they have that front row seat. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's so, um, common for nurses to make the choice to become a surrogate. And so they, they, I think have, a, maybe a quicker learning curve, perhaps I could say, <laughs> in going through the decision-making process. But as, as easy as it is for some women to understand what's involved, certainly intended parents have to get up to speed very quickly too. And I can imagine that for an intended parent, there's probably no greater relief or sense of satisfaction than to be perhaps working with a surrogate who's also an IVF nurse or an OB-GYN nurse, or, you know, they just probably have a, a greater sense of relief and, and uh, uh, calm. Would you say that your intended parents think about that when it comes to, you know, your background? 
Yes, they always say that. Um, like when I was spotting the other day, I just happened to be at work and I was like, oh, I'll just have one of the doctors scan me here. It's no big deal. Um, and they were like, we are so grateful <laughs> that you are where you are and you know what you know and that you were able to make this happen because I think it really eased everyone very quickly. Um, and then I think some of the things like that some people would think are abnormal. I'll tell them and they'll be like, oh, is that okay? Like, what do you think? Um, and I think it really puts everyone's minds at ease when I'm able to explain what's going on and why it's going on. So it's been very nice to have the knowledge that I have. And I think they're very grateful for it. I can only imagine. Now, having, you know, traveled the road that you've traveled to get to this point, you still have a ways to go. Uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, achieving that milestone of, of a healthy early pregnancy is incredible, right? Like all odds are in your favor and in, in the intended parent's favor as well. But so far, do you have kind of like what I love to call an aha moment or something where you actually were surprised? You know, you probably as an IVF nurse going into this, you thought you, you had it all figured out. But have you stumbled across an aha moment for yourself that has surprised you about this process? I don't know if I've stumbled on one quite yet. Um, I think, yeah, I don't know if I've stumbled on one. A lot of stuff has just come really full circle for me. Like it's different when I'm educating my patients on what's going to happen and what an embryo transfer looks like. And then I'm actually doing the embryo transfer and it's a little different. So it's definitely made me explain things in a different way to my patients. Um, but I don't think I've had anything quite yet that's like a big aha. Well, I, I'm going to predict something for you going forward. <laughs> I'm going to predict um, that once you're through this journey, you know, the, the kind of resource and sense of inspiration that you're going to bring to the intended parent population within your clinic is going to be astounding. To be able to just pivot and say, <laughs> hey, look, you want to know what a surrogate is like? It's me. Yeah. I've done this. I know what it's like. They're, they're just like me. And so I think that that sense of reassurance and inspiration for all intended parents is going to be something that you're going to cherish and, and take into the world with you for the benefit of others. So that's my prediction for you, <laughs> Teal. <laughs> I think you might be right. Um, so you'll also be attending the Pregnantish Fertility Innovation Seminar coming up. Is there anything that excites you most about being included as a surrogacy educator? Um, no, that I love educating. That's, I feel like, what my whole TikTok is based on. Um, so I'm just really excited in general. I love just sharing my perspective on things because I do think it is unique and different being on both sides of it on the daily. Um, so I'm just excited to share that. Well, I know that the um, attendees are going to love your experience shares that you're going to bring <laughs> to the table. So good luck with that. I'm excited Thank for you. you. Um, anything else, Teal, that we might not have surfaced during this conversation that you really want our listeners to know? I don't think so. I think I'm just having a really good experience so far, and I'm feeling very positive about everything, and I'm grateful for conceivabilities and their help along this journey, and I am just, I'm doing good so far. Everything's going exactly as planned, so it's nice. Love it. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure and a gift to share your story with our listeners and good luck with the rest of your pregnancy. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
What an amazing guest. I just love having surrogates on this podcast. It just showcases for all of our listeners and the communities out there um, the motivations that they have and the skill sets that they bring to the journey and to the process on behalf of intended parents. And so for me, I think just thinking about Teal and her experience as an IVF nurse and my aha moment was when she said that when she's in the clinics and within that clinical setting, that she feels that it's come full circle was an amazing point to make because she's right. Um, She's not just creating families and helping others, but she's also bringing her own clinical and scientific um, clear thinking mindset to the process and allows intended parents and surrogates to have this journey and to come full circle in their motivations and endeavors to create a family. And she has a direct hand in that. So um, I'm so excited for the rest of her journey, and I hope our listeners follow along on her TikTok page. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure, and until next time, take care. At Conceivabilities, we believe that everyone who wants to become a parent can. Our agency has helped build thousands of families for nearly 25 years. Whether you are an intended parent ready to fulfill your family destiny, a surrogate answering your calling, or an egg donor wanting to expand what's possible in your life, we are your people. See how matching matters. Learn more by joining our Surrogacy Learning Center community at surrogacylearningcenter.conceivabilities.com.